Hey friends, it's Eric here. Thanks for listening to the Building Us podcast. Hey, I want to invite you to follow me on my new show, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School, where I take a deeper dive into money and financial topics. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast, Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I hope to see you there. One of the things that I think we have to remember is being calm. And that's really hard as a parent to be calm in the heat of the moment. But you know, calm is my internal composure. And if I am out of control, it's going to be so easy for my teenager to be out of control. And then it's just a battle of wills and ugly words and comments that are hurtful. Welcome back to the Building Us podcast. I am Eric Garcia, certified financial planner and financial advisor. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Dr. Matt Morris, family therapist and couples counselor. What is happening, Matt? Hey, man. How are you? Good to be with you. I'm good. Good. It's good to be with you. Um, So you said something a while ago. This is a long time ago. We were probably talking about parenting. I probably had a question for you. Um, you know, I have three kids, you have three kids and you made the comment that every kid is born into a different family. And yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? It doesn't make any sense to me. And your point was that the firstborn is born into just, it's, it's the firstborn, right? Mom and dad, you know, my wife and I never had experience raising a kid. So, so maybe we, we raise this child a little bit more than the second kid is born to a family of three where the first was born to a family of two. And then the third is born to a family of four. So, um, Right. So the family dynamics have changed. There's a lot of studies out there about like personality traits of firstborn and secondborn and the lastborn. And I'm curious, do you, do you put much stock into that? Is that, is that a real thing? Do you see that like across the board with kids? So like, uh, the validity of birth order studies, is that what you're kind of Uh asking about? Uh, you know, birth order studies have never really been, scientifically validated and substantiated out there and in our community um they're novel they're interesting we like them they're they're fascinating to think about it's always fascinating to think about how birth order affects kids but i think it's much more i think it's much more uh uh, there's a much more causal a direct causal link to think about the experience of the parents when they have the first kid versus the experience of the parents when they have the second kid I really got to thinking about this in thinking about how, you know, how many hours of parenting training and experience parents have between their first and second child. And so uh, you, you mentioned you and your wife had very little parenting experience when your first was born, but by the time your second was born, I mean, you have gobs of parenting experience by that time, thousands and thousands of hours, if you will. And so if we could give you like a certification as a parent, (laughs) you probably wouldn't get one on the first go round, but the second one you're much, much more prepared. And then by the third one, you have so much more experience. And so I don't know that there's anything magical about the, the birth order per se in focusing on, um, you know, the relationship of the first to the second or, and all of that. I think their magic is really in thinking about the experience that the parents bring to the parenting dynamic as kids are born. So, yeah. So either way, I mean, there's this, 
there's, you know, you, you have more experience. So maybe you parent a little differently, you discipline a little bit differently. And what we end up with are three very distinct personalities. And maybe it's part of the, the, you know, the, the environment and how we raise them, but you have three very distinct personalities and parenting is hard. It's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And you're trying to manage these, like these unique personalities, right? And I guess firstborn, secondborn, you know, last born, we can see very different personalities in our kids. And then to, to further complicate it, you know, my wife and I have different personalities and the way we interact with the kids makes it more challenging. Then you have the dynamic of, of father, son, father, daughter, mother, son, mother, daughter. So you have all these dynamics in parenting and it is, it is hard work parenting. You always say relationships are hard work and parenting is hard work. So I'm actually pretty excited about our guests uh, for today. I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce them. I am going to sit back and I'll make comments on this episode, but I am sitting back and I am learning today because I want to hear what they have to say. So I'll let you go ahead and, and introduce our guests for today. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite things to think about as a person and a clinician is parenting. Parenting is such a difficult and important and rewarding and strenuous and wonderfully crazy job all at the same time. I love to think about the parent-child relationship and how that changes over time. Um, uh, so today is a parenting episode. We're, we're joined by two wonderful uh, mental health professionals in the New Orleans area um, who, who want to talk to us today and will we'll share with us today some thoughts about the the mother-daughter relationship, particularly Ooh. as it relates to the, those early adolescent tween teen years. So buckle up. <laughs> uh, that's an exciting time anyway. So we have with us uh, Dr. Carrie M&A, uh, a licensed psychologist here in New Orleans. And we have Giselle Armantrout, um, a, a licensed counselor in New Orleans. And thank you both for being with us. Um, please take a minute, introduce yourself, uh, Talk just a minute about your background. All right, Giselle, would you like for me to go first? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So I'm Carrie M&A. I have four children ranging in ages 15 to eight. Um, I am a licensed child psychologist and have been in private practice since 2016 in Louisiana. I had a private practice in Tennessee from 01 to 2008. Um, but moved to New Orleans in 2009 and have been in practice since 2016. Thank you. Giselle, welcome. Hi, um, I am Giselle Armantrout. I am married with one child, 13. I have been in private practice with Dr. Matt Morrison Associates for about two years now, almost two and a half. And see couples, middle school and high school girls and love working on re anything relational, anything regarding how can we improve relationships. So I love y'all have the academic, right? The academic chops, but you're, you're also in the battle with, with kids. So we're talking about the mom daughter relationship. So just curious, um, y'all are obviously moms. Is there, are there daughters here? Are y'all talking from experience? Or are you talking from textbooks here? <laughs> experience. Sweet. I have okay. two girls and Giselle, has one. Yes. Yes. Awesome. And many times I, I, I phone a friend and that friend is Carrie. Oh my gosh, you've done this before. Help me. You know, I need a therapist today. What should I do? This is what she said. Can you believe it's, it's a lot 
different when it's your own child versus someone you're sitting in session with for sure. Yeah. Well, so I guess if you, if you're a mom and you have a daughter, listen up, or if you're a dad and have a wife and a daughter, listen up. <laughs> so yeah, we, we plan to include the, the, the father daughter relationship a little bit later on in the episode. So stay tuned. You know, I just want to start off if it's okay. Um, I have families that come to me all the time um, who describe scenarios in their home, describe, you know, battles and dynamics in their home as, as if they're catastrophes. And sometimes it seems to me like as a parent, it's very hard to know if something that's happening in your home is normal or not. And so I'd just like to start off with what do you both see as some of the normal problematic, uh, challenging, difficult experiences that happen between moms and daughters? What are just some of the normal things? You want me to start, Carrie? Yeah, go ahead. Um, for what, what, what I see, um, and I, I think really it could be different for every family, every family dynamic, but we're just in a stage right now where Ella is an only child and just pushing boundaries, you know, <laughs> Any little opportunity, you give an inch, and oh my gosh, they want to take it much further. Um, so just teaching opportunities to look. We want to be able to give you responsibility and freedom appropriate to your age. And at any point, my cliche, actually this morning she said, you should get a t-shirt that says that. Responsibility equals freedom. So the more responsible you are, the more you show up as a part of our family team, our dynamic, that equals freedom. So at any point, um, and I can give different scenarios if that's helpful, you're not doing your part in practicing responsibility, then it's going to come back. I'm going to have to pull the reins back on freedom. So for example, yeah. would you like an example? Sure. Would that be helpful? For example, I want to go to bed at 9 30 10 o'clock at night and the rule is your cell phone has to be plugged in downstairs at 10 o'clock um you can stay up till 10 30 but the phone needs to be downstairs by 10 o'clock so something woke me up last night um it was 10 20 i knew what it was i was, got hot i wanted to go lower the air condition and that's right by her room and she was sprawled out on the bed texting texting snapchatting and it was 10 20. I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to make the choice right now of not getting upset and disrupting my sleep. Give me your phone, plug it in, and now guess what? Responsibility equals freedom, and you, you didn't stay within the parameters. So you have to log off of one of your very important um, social media apps that she loves, the Snapchat. And, of course, you know, she came in several times, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And I really do believe she was sorry, but she was sorry because please don't take it away. So it's 1030 at night. I'm tired. I'm like, okay, you have to stick to it. You have to stick to, she has apologized and I appreciate it, but I, it, it still means that, you know, if I get in the car and I go driving down the street and I'm 10 miles over the speed limit and I get stopped and I apologize to the police officer, he most likely isn't going to say, okay, you're sorry. You're not going to get a ticket. So just always having those teaching opportunities of trying to instill now, um, consequences you know consequences so the, one of the things that you're highlighting there is as a normal 
experience between parents and kids is just that kids will push the boundaries. That's a normal Mm -hmm. adolescent Mm -hmm. growing up thing to do. Just like I push the speed limit boundary, our kids kids will push the boundary. And so parents should not be that surprised when they have to maintain the boundary, when they have to keep the boundary firm. No, I've actually, I was going to say, I've actually had to call Carrie about this because one day a boundary was really pushed. And I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this. And I called just friend. What do I do here? She very beautifully reminded me their prefrontal cortex isn't developed the way it, it needs to be at this age. So expect that they're going to make mistakes. They're set up to make mistakes in this area. And it's how we, what we do with it. And you know, one of the things that I think we have to remember is being calm. And that's really hard as a parent to be calm in the heat of the moment. But you know, calm is my internal composure. And if I am out of control, it's going to be so easy for my teenager to be out of control. And then it's just a battle of wills and ugly words and comments that are hurtful. And so I think staying calm is a big challenge as a parent. I love that. I love the idea that my internal composure can be more placid or more stormy. Mm-hmm. And I, I have some authority over that. And the stormier I get internally, the more problematic the, the interaction is going to go with my kid, teen, tween. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to teach her how to be calm so that when she's in a situation with a peer or, you know, another adult that she can remain calm and make better decisions and not, you know, get herself in more trouble with the words she chooses to use or not use. Yeah. Carrie, what else are you seeing as like normal stuff that happens between parents and kids that parents should, should be aware of, can be alarmed by, but shouldn't be surprised by? You know, one of the biggest things, and I don't want to get stuck on technology, but I think the cell phone creates so many issues. And on the way to school this morning, I asked my children, I said, what is the one thing about me as a mom that drives you guys crazy? Immediately, my older two said, you check our cell phones. We want to have privacy. I said, I totally get that. I totally understand that. Dad and I like having privacy as well. But when you are teenagers, there are experiences that dad and I have had in life that you've never had. And so my job is to monitor your phone, not so much that I'm watching over your shoulder, but I'm protecting you. And it just so happens in the past when I have monitored their phones that they weren't saying anything inappropriate, but hey, they were on a group chat and somebody else was. And so I said, you know, look at this. And they said, were you going to call their parents? I said, absolutely not. That's not my job. My job is to educate you how to, how to handle this. I don't want you chiming in and putting your two cents in. Why don't you leave the conversa- conversation? Because I think silence speaks volumes in a situation like this. And we've had that happen multiple times. Um, and I think that's just a good way to teach them boundaries as well as teaching them how to deal with conflict and not joining into a situation that they don't need to be a part of. I love how you ask that question of your kids. Like what's something, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a, I guess a risky question, right? For a parent to ask the kid, but I think that that's important, right? To have, to let them, let them feel that they have some input in. Oh, absolutely. One of the things I feel like parents 
as, as parents, we don't do enough of, and that's apologizing when we make mistakes, as well as asking for their input. I'm not always going to follow your advice and do what you want me to do because I am an adult. But I want to hear your side. I want you to tell me your argument, and then let's come to, to um, let's meet in the middle and come to some kind of resolution that we can both live with that's appropriate. Yeah. So Matt, you, you, you say talking about this normal behavior. It's something that as parents we can expect as normal behavior, we shouldn't be surprised by it, but it's still as a parent, sometimes it's still disheartening, right? It's like, Oh my gosh, I failed because my child is doing this. And you're like, yeah, I don't care that it's normal, but I expect them not to do that. How do you like, like to the parents dealing with that normal behavior, how do we manage those emotions? Because uh, I think we, that's part of us being able to keep our, our calm, right? To keep our composure. Yeah. I, th- I mean, if you're, you're asking me, I, th- I think understanding that it's normal allows me to not take it so personally. And if I, can, if I don't take it so personally, I can still address it. I can still consequence it or correct it or seek to, you know, seek to, to rectify it. But I'm not so upset by it. For, I'll give you just an example that happens a lot with with uh, young kids is lying. Kids lie. You you ask them straight to their face. Adults lie. We all lie. But you ask a kid straight to their face, somebody that loves you, that you love. They're so cute. They came from your womb. You'll ask them, "Did you do that?" And they'll say, "No." You know it's a lie. They'll lie straight to your face. If you know that it's a normal experience for kids, you don't take it as personally how can my baby lie to me? You don't, you know, it's not so heartbreaking. It's still disheartening and you can still consequence it. And there's still, you know, as Giselle was talking about responsibility and freedom, there's still um, a loss of freedom potentially, but it just doesn't have to hurt so bad. You don't have to get so caught up in your own feelings so much. Mm-hmm. And you know, to tie into what Matt's saying, another thing that I feel like we struggle with as parents is when our kids, enter the tween and teen years they start to pull away and when that happened with my older two I took it personally and my feelings were hurt they don't want to be around me anymore they don't want to you know go out to dinner with dad and I what are we doing wrong and it took me a little while to get comfortable with this is normal this is what they need to do they're going to pull away and they're you know, they're testing their wings, they're gaining some independent behavior, and this is what we need them to do. And so I had to kind of educate myself on, I've got to back up, I've got to give them a little space, not too much, but just enough. It's definitely, you know, daily reminding myself, which you both just said, Matt and Carrie, not to take it personal. You know, at the end of the day, we're humans, and it's hard, we love them. It's hard. It's hard when you know, you go out of your way just to make sure I's are dotted and T's are crossed and because of the hormones or the pressure and the stress, gosh, that could be another thing we talk about, the stress that's on them. And it sometimes feels like it's taken out on you. Like, you know, I could pick you up with a coffee in the car or, you know, a smoothie, whatever, because I know you had a big heart test today and I just want to reward you and give you extra love because you need it. And you're not, you, you, you may not be met in that moment with appreciation of, oh, thanks so much. You know, you may be met with stonewall or silencing. It's like, oh, as your heart breaks on the inside because you, you're wanting something different, just allowing, allowing to say, okay, you know, you had a hard day and if you need a couple minutes to be quiet, 
come back online. It's okay. I really look forward to being able to chat later. Yeah. So part of the, the, the normal thing that we're talking about here is in, in mental health, there's this word called, called differentiation or in, in family therapy, mm-hmm. at least there's differentiation, mm-hmm. which is the normal process of child development by which a child grows out away from their parents um, and, and establishes their own sense of self and identity. And that can be a really difficult time for parents because parents are, are often getting substituted with uh, uh, peers where, where the child is starting to, to be more influenced by their own peer group. And so um, Giselle, what are you seeing as some of the challenges for moms and daughters as it relates to the, the, the growing influence of the peer group? Um, moms and daughters, kind of what you just said, it's, is moms really trying to learn to step back a little bit and allow the child to have some wings to fly and figure out things maybe on their own or differently. It's just so hard to relinquish control, truly. Control of, oh my gosh, how come she's not or he's not coming to talk to me about that? Um, plenty of times I'll ask, Carrie, did you know, you know, is, is your daughter telling you these things? Um, because at one point, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, even a little bit at 12, they're open books. They, they want their moms. They're coming to tell you every single thing. And I mean, in the matter of, of weeks for us, it changed. And then if you ask questions on a conversation that had already happened, like, hey, I'm just following up or aware is this, you're met with, please don't ask me that. That's private. Or I'm, I'm, I'm working it out. Or... <laughs> And it's like, oh, okay, yes, good, good independence in the sense of, all right, man, I've, I've equipped her. She has the tools to do it. But at the same thing, I go back to that personal just, ah, in my heart. But I'm here. I'm here if you want to talk, you know. And being a therapist, that always adds another layer to it because it's like, mom, this isn't session. You know, I'm not one of your clients. <laughs> so. It's so true. Terry, what are you, what are you, what's coming to mind for you about – challenges that that the the growing peer influence has it's very i often hear well her mother lets her do that oh that's okay for their family and my comment is that probably is okay for their family but we're a different family and we may have different rules we may have different boundaries and so we have to stick to what dad and i think are important and if you have a problem with a boundary or a rule Let's discuss it. You know, make us a PowerPoint presentation. Tell us why it needs to be different. We're more than willing to listen, but in the end, dad and I do make the final decision. However, when you're 18, you'll have the freedom to make a ton of new decisions. Um, And I find this with clothing. Giselle, I don't know if you run into this. Like, all the new Lululemon shorts are super short. Um, And that's a battle, you know. What do you think about those shorts? And My shorts expensive. are fine. Yeah, oh, I'm saying short. For, I, I can't even get to that yet because, like, yeah. <laughs> like you're never going to wear them because they're just expensive. We can talk about we can talk about money and budgeting here. If Financial you want, but planner. Like, oh, yeah, but yeah. mom, I saved my money. I bought these myself. I want to wear these. Okay, I want you to look in the mirror and tell me what do you think if you see a girl walking across campus in those shorts? What are your thoughts? Is that appropriate? Are they a little too short? I don't care if school allows it. It just may not be the best choice. You know, and then talk yeah. about why. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I've even had to say um, here, you know, we come from a generation, I don't know about you guys, where children are to be seen and not heard. And you, you did, you did, you never had the luxury of being able to have a conversation. It was just, this is the way it is and you're going to do it this way. And it's not a major consequence is going to come your way. So I feel like if we're giving four or five, okay, you're not liking that. Sit down and do a PowerPoint presentation. Sell me on why I should let you. That was the only way my, my daughter got two major social medias, Instagram and Snapchat. She had to literally convince me, educate me on why. It's like, wants it's it. like Shark Tank. You made her present <laughs> to you. Yes. Like. <laughs> yes. But I feel like if we do that enough on the things that you're just not willing to give on, it's easier yeah. to say they have to have some yeses. We can't always be no, 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 no. So if you got yes on Snapchat and you got yes on Instagram and you want to wear shorts that are an inch and a half and it's just out of my comfort zone, I feel okay saying at that point, I'm going to inch and a half. It's just a no. So I want to, let me, can I, I want to go back to something Giselle that you said a little earlier. So I'm just curious, developmentally, you talk about uh, with our, with our kids and I guess specifically daughters here, like they're an open book. And then within weeks, they kind of shut down. Like, is there, is there a, a developmentally, when does that typically happen? Are we looking at like seventh to eighth grade? Are we looking at 12 to 13? Is there, is there something that, that gives us clues to be more aware of that so we can expect it? I feel like every, every girl is different. You know, every girl is going to come into her own at a different time. However, what I'm seeing in my practice and personally at home, it really happens for us around 13 to 13 and a half. Um, it's, it's happening for other moms and daughters that I see in the practice a little later and some a little earlier. So I don't think that there's just one clear cut answer at 13 expect on this day, <laughs> they're not going to come to you anymore when their bodies start to really start making the change hormonally. Um, I don't know. They just really start battling again. And, and, and Carrie, maybe you can speak to a little bit about this of that prefrontal cortex starts just struggling for more autonomy where I don't, I don't want to feel like a baby. I want to be able to go see if I can work this out on my own. Yeah. And, and what we have to remember is that prefrontal cortex is not fully developed until, you know, around 25. And so the logic, the planning, the thinking through a situation is not going to happen to to the full ability. You know, they're reacting to those visceral body, just those core brain reactions, and it's all emotional at that point. Um, and that's why I love to have like a calm internal thermometer. I mean, we have to keep it low so that I don't get caught up in re overreacting with you. You talk about, I think like for me, it's like, the calm exterior, like sometimes the internal is like screaming and the outside's like, all right, this is cool. I'm, I'm calm. But like inside it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my mind. I need to go running. <laughs> Something. Yeah. yeah. That's a struggle for me where I'm, I'm, I'm a Sicilian as it comes. So I have really had to work with myself <laughs> on that. Like calm Giselle, calm Giselle, the calmer you are, the you're going to get a, this is what I say, try to respond versus react. Try to respond versus react. Because mm. whenever I react, I'm reacting from emotional state and it, it's more about me and me feeling perhaps like I failed in the moment as a parent. So I'm just really, really reactive. 
but if I can back up a little bit from that stimulus of, of my daughter and say, okay, take some deep breaths and try to respond to her. Oh my gosh. It's, it's beautiful. The, the kind of communication or conversation that can actually go down where her needs are getting met. And not only are her needs getting met, I'm, I'm getting in there. She's receiving and understanding what I have to say because I'm responding to her versus reacting to her. Yeah. You know, on that, Matt, Matt said something a while ago that has been res- resonating with me that another mentor, an older, an older mentor of mine, he, he said something very similar. And what it is, is it's, it's work to stay connected, work to conflict's Okay. But work to stay connected. And, you know, whenever there's conflict, you know, between me and my wife or conflict between me and my kids or, or conflict between my wife and my daughter, um, I kind of think about that. Okay. My, my, my role right now is I, I can't solve this, but what can I do to encourage that connection? What can I do to encourage that, that at least that relationship, you know, is not, you know, f- completely frayed, whether it's, it's trying to calm it down so that further damage isn't done or, you know, trying to stay calm to not incite further, you know, emotional outburst. Um, but it's stay connected. And that's something that I kind of repair. Yeah. Stay connected has got to be the the highest priority above teach them a lesson or uh, get them to stop doing that thing. I mean, all of those things are important. Parenting is a really hard job, but staying connected and, and really taking that long-term view is, is got to be the, the most important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that we've been talking about are what's normal between parents and kids. I, as a clinician, I see parents often struggle with just trying to figure out if this thing that their kid is doing is bad behavior, defiance, or developmental I wanted to get you all's thoughts on, as a clinician, how do you navigate figuring out what's what? Well, I think one of the things is, one of my go-to trains of thought is, let's don't overreact, okay? Nothing is permanent. Let's kind of ride this wave out and see what's going on. Because I know as children reach that, you know, the teen years, they start pulling away. And so many parents report to me, they're just so oppositional. I've never seen this kind of opposition. And I said, well, let's talk about it. Let's break this down. Is this truly oppositional or are they just trying to gain more independency? You know, are they wanting to to draw away from you guys um, and just develop more of their self? And, um, I think it's really important that parents remember they're changing so rapidly, emotionally, cognitive, cognitively, physically, that we, there's no need to overreact. I think if we sit back and kind of ride the waves out, we'll make better decisions and have a better understanding of what's going on. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. I, I like just uh, the idea of not overreacting. Let's try to, let's try to try to take a longer term view of this and see where it goes. Um, and I, I feel the same way that I see parents reacting very strongly to something that feels to them like a crisis situation that needs uh, urgent modification versus what feels to me is something that probably will work itself out, stay connected. It's a little bit developmental. Let's take a longer term view. But figuring out that what's what is is challenging for all of us. Giselle, so, uh, you were going to add? 
Yeah, real quick before Giselle adds, like just for clarification, because I'm sitting here, I'm sitting kind of as a parent, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking like, yeah, so when is, when is overreacting or not overparenting, but like when is intervention, uh, when does that, when is that called for? Because there are certain behaviors that like, I can't sit back and ride this wave. Like I need to, I need to step in. Yeah. Um, And, and I feel like anytime there are, drugs, alcohol involved. This is what I tell parents all the time. That's immediate reaction. You know, we have to get on that real quick or signs of depression. If your child is spending an excessive amount of time alone in their room, um, if you don't hear friends calling them or them wanting to go out and do things, um, they're lethargic, they're not eating, you know, all the hallmark signs, then absolutely we need to step in. Okay, good. Yeah. Ditto to that. And then one other thing is just I'm ha- I'm feeling like I want to ha- I want to have some grace for parents, especially through the last several months of COVID and homeschooling and oh my gosh, there were a lot there was there was lots of overreacting taking place I'm sure in, in many families' homes, mm-hmm. and it's okay it's, if anything that's a teaching opportunity uh, disconnect reconnect you know how do you repair that it's it's very okay to pull them aside or go lay in bed with them or go take them for a snowball and just think, man, mom really got upset. I'm so sorry. What was it like seeing mom so upset? Um, is there anything that, you know, you wanted, you would have liked to be different in that conversation? Um, because in those moments of us expressing vulnerability to them allows them also to say, okay, wow, you know, she, mom and dad don't always get it right. And it, it's, an apology can go a far, a long way. And it, it's, I'm also, it's, it's real time, y'all. Real, real things are happening right now in the world that stress parents out. Being able to allow them um, the opportunity to see yeah. what stress looks like and how, how moms and dads can handle stress, how parents can handle stress. Yeah, that's good what you just said. It kind of goes back to what Carrie said earlier about apologizing how important it is for parents mm-hmm. to apologize to their kids mm-hmm. and i was i was thinking as you were saying that giselle there's a lot of studies in the in the financial world that talks about um kind of the messages or, or what our kids learn from us about money that we can teach we can speak things but they're learning from observation our kids money habits are going to be more of what we do and what they observe as opposed to what we teach them so i would think the same is true in just general parenting where if we're modeling behavior that we want them to mimic, that's good. And we, we want our kids to be humble, right? We don't want them to blow up and, and yell and, and lose their minds, right? We want them to be cool and collected and make good decisions. So then as parents, we have to stop and say, okay, wait a minute. Am I modeling that behavior for my child? Mm -hmm. That's hard. I often, often I joke, but I'm sure y'all can, um, uh, I'm sure you would confirm this. Like oftentimes when I'm disciplining my a kid about something that they've done, like I have to, it's hard because like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, like they're doing what I do. They didn't pick up after themselves. Oh man, I didn't pick up after myself. And that, that's hard sometimes, right? When you see your, when you see yourself and your kid in, in, in the negative. Yeah. Continuing on this on this theme, a really important theme, I think, that you guys brought up about um, when we get disconnected from our kid, trying to reconnect with our kid. Um, as clinicians, 
I'm, I'm sure you, you, you see that in your office a lot, a disconnected parenting. How are you encouraging parents on the, from the parenting side to try to reconnect with their kid? One of the things I love to recommend is that one-on-one time, you know, especially when there are multiple children in the home, you know, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. If you have one hour where you guys can go to the lakefront, I don't care. Just get out of the house, get away from the stressors at home and just have some one-on-one time together. There's no cell phones for mom or child. Like let's put it all away and just sit there and listen. Don't be judgmental. Don't use this as a teaching opportunity per se. Just listen, listen to what they enjoy to what stresses them out, you know, and you don't have to jump in and try to solve it. Just be present because it's hard to be present nowadays in the world we live in because there's, constant activity, you know, constant notifications, reminders, you know, just be present. I love that. Uh, You could not have said that more beautifully. I love that. And seeing it in a clinical setting, I can't tell you, I'm thinking off the top of my head already two or three times, seeing one family, mother extremely busy, multiple children, and one of the daughters really just started acting out, was having some really bad, um, bullying taking place and it was it was leading to some pretty serious depression and um, mom called one day it was like gosh what, you know what do I do and I was like well, let me just ask you I know it's COVID and crazy times right now you know what what is y'all dynamic what is your dynamic like with your daughter and she's like there isn't any you know sadly I, I work in, in the hospital setting I'm just so busy So we figured out a way to devise a little plan where once a week they just go get nails done or take a ride to TCBY and get some ice cream. And I cannot tell you how different that child is. And this is, you know, a high schooler, completely different. I think what it's doing is it's allowing her to feel securely attached, allowing her to feel like I have a home base, even though I don't want mom to come in and solve these problems for me. I still want the autonomy to be able to figure them out. She's available. She's accessible. She's there. She will engage in conversation with me if I need her. But the daughter wasn't able to put into words, mom's so busy because she's, you know, a young girl and she's not set up to do that yet. But she was feeling it. She was feeling the void of mom's busy. Parents are busy. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out all these things on my own. And I want to, but I still want to know someone's there to catch me if I fall. So is it, is it fair to say sometimes when, when we're noticing behavior that we're not very happy with with our kids, sometimes it's them screaming for attention or them, them wanting some type of security that they're not getting from us maybe? They just want to know we're there. They, might, they, they don't necessarily want our thoughts and opinions all the time. They just want to know we're there for them. So listen, like you said, if you go out to the lakefront, it isn't even about giving advice. It's just about letting them talk and us really hearing them. And from a non-judgmental zone, from a non-zone of wanting to interject, well, did you try this? From a non-zone of trying to fix it and just really be present. What a gift we can give to them when we can do it. It's, It's hard. That's good. It's hard, I just, to, I just, um, it's hard to take your, your mom cap off. Yeah. I just read uh, an old, old journal entry of mine. And um, it was, it was a quote that I had copied and it said, listen and silent had the same letters. And I think as parents, you know, we always want to, isn't that interesting? It is. 
Yeah. So as a parent, we always kind of feel like we need to be talking or teaching or training. Um, But sometimes maybe we just need to be silent and listen. I'm not a very good speller, so I'm going to have to write that out. (laughs) It's true. Trust me, Matt. Listen and silent have the same letters. I like that. As as we're talking about reconnecting, are uh, Giselle and, and Carrie, are there some resources? Is, you know, if, if, if you could recommend a resource, a website, a podcast, a book, or something that you're referring people to recently, um, what's, a, what's a good resource for parents who are in this phase right now? Um, Giselle, I don't, you may jump in. Yeah, you had, yes, you go ahead. You jump okay. In. One of my favorite online resources is childmind.org. It's invaluable resources. And then I love the book Untangled um, by Lisa. I can't remember her last name. Giselle, do you? Uh, Demore. I think Lisa you're Demore. Right. Yes. I think it's yeah. Demore. I think it's excellent. Excellent. And then there's another book by um, Dr. Daniel Siegel, who is an adolescent psychiatrist. And he is amazing. He's written many books on parenting and mindfulness um, in parenting. Um, And there's a book called Brainstorm that I love because it takes a top-down approach about the neurological and emotional development of children and what we as parents can do to facilitate healthy development. Yeah. Thank you. Giselle, did you want to mention a resource? I'll piggyback on Untangled. That that feels like a required reading for everyone who has an adolescent daughter. And then there's a podcast called Power Your Parenting. Um, the, the host is a marriage and family therapist and she comes on weekly and just, it's, it's geared more towards females. Um, just the challenges that young girls go through. Um, it's usually 30 minutes, 40 minutes and just great tips, um, helps normalize moms to where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not doing as bad as I yeah. thought I was. I'm doing that. <laughs> what was yeah, the name of feeling that? a little isolated right now. So hearing, you know, Hearing how other parents are experiencing these times is really helpful. What was that podcast yeah. again, Giselle? Um, Power Your Parenting. Power Your Parenting. Yes. And Mom put, with teens. We can put yeah, links. We'll put all this in the, in, in, the, in the show notes. Yeah. You know, Eric and I are the two folks on the, on the episode today that aren't moms. Um, as, as dads, um, how can dads be supportive in the mother-daughter dynamic? How, is there a way that dads can, can be a, a helpful ally in that? I think so. You know, one of the things I tell my husband is you don't have to fix it because he's a fixer and his job is uh, to be uh, the problem solver. And so, you know, I say, when you come home, take off your problem solving hat and just listen. If she has complaints about me, sit and listen. You know, if there's some feedback I need to hear as a mother, be, I'm more than happy to hear that, you know, but at the end of the day, we are the parents and we do make the final decisions, but please sit and listen without judgment. Beautiful. Love that. Ditto. Be present. Listen. Sometimes they want male energy to go and talk to. They don't always want to hear mom's perspective and dad's perspective, no doubt is going to be different. So I love that, Carrie. Beautifully said. How do you how do you manage or or speak to this idea that sometimes you know kids will will play mom and dad right mom or dad's a little bit more lenient mom's a little more strict um, but they kind of sense that 
hey, yeah, they're, they're, they're operating as a unit, but I know that I can break dad down or I know that I can break mom down. How do you, how do, you do that as a parent, right? Or if you think one parent or even as a couple, you think, man, one parent might think you're being a little bit too hard. How do we get on the same page? We just try to um, reiterate we're a team. Mom and dad are a team. You're a part of this team. But we are a team. So there's not a decision that I'm making that dad isn't going to back me up on or vice versa. Now, if you're, not, if you're not right in your heart with something I'm telling you or dad's telling you, we call it family meeting, it's okay for us to all sit down and have a family meeting about it. We want to do everything in our power to help you come to peace in your heart. But there's nothing that I'm going to say you can do that dad is going to say you can't do. Like, we, we, we're, we're the committee meets first. <laughs> we run through the plays, and then we're going to roll it out to the team. You can come talk to the coach. You can express your concerns to the coach. But that role is not going to change. And it's not even. It's not an even playing role. But that is an issue I see in a lot of families where there is uh, – marital discord the parents are not communicating their you know family life is chaotic and you know I always say that's the first thing we have to fix you guys are a team and so if you guys aren't communicating how are your kids going to thrive true yeah i think it's so important for the parents to have uh their higher level meetings um that are ongoing you know the the parents bedroom is not just for sleeping and sex it's it's the boardroom of the family and it's a place for the parents to retreat and go get on the same page so that so that even if you know even if one of them is a little softer on an issue that's fine they don't have to they don't have to be mirror images of each other or copies of each other uh, but they they need to be they're the higher level executives of the home and so the executives need to be on the same page the coaches need to be on the same page does that when i was a, a kid playing football and in the locker room, you know, the coaches had their separate office and we could go in there and sometimes share our opinion, but mm-hmm. it wasn't always, it, it was, it didn't always materialize as a change in the play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And balance with that, I think balance with that in the sense of, at least for me, I try to practice. I don't always want to be giving out notes, you know, so yeah. on one inch, two inch shorts, Eric, it's a no. However, if it's no, 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 okay, I'm going to try to figure out a way, even if I have to um, compromise my beliefs a little bit to divvy out a yes, I'll say to myself, is this going to be life-changing? You know, is, is she threatened in any way? It's pushing me outside of my comfort zone, but it's, you'll be okay, Giselle. You'll be okay. Yeah. So just balance. Balance with not having to be so, you know, stringent and laying down the law try try to find some yeses yeah very much yes yes all, is, all I know is that yeah is that marriage and parenting are <laughs> two or two experiences personally for me that made me realize how selfish i was right you get married and all of a sudden right there's someone else you're you're having to to kind of live with and make decisions for and then all of a sudden you throw kids in the mix and you're like Oh man, now I realize I was even like how like my time is no longer my time. Like everything I do is for other people and um they're they're both very hard to manage those relationships. So there is a ton of of value in having 
people who are professionals to be able to help work through these things. And it's not, you know, just cause you know, we, we talked about this off, um, offline yesterday, but just because you talk to a therapist or talk to a counselor, um, you know, we hire business coaches because we want to be better business owners, right? We work with mentors because we want people who, who have the experience to speak into our lives. And I think we have therapists and counselors not to fix things, but to help us be better parents or to be better spouses. And I think that's something that's, that's so valuable that I don't think a lot of people think about when they, you know, want to get better as a parent. Uh, well, go find someone who's trained to teach you how to be a better parent. It's like a coach. It's like a parenting coach. Or if you want to have a, be a better spouse, well, go find someone who's been trained to teach you how to be a better spouse. I'm, I'm fortunate that um, I've got very close friends who are counselors and therapists, and I just get to get to absorb um, lessons from them. Um, but if it wasn't for those relationships, I wouldn't be as good. Well, I, I wouldn't be as far along as a father or as a, as a parent, if it wasn't for my relationship with Matt and, and some of those other relationships. You're welcome, man. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. (laughs) But Eric, you're correct. You know, the, these larger companies are hiring industrial organizational psychologists to come in and build up leadership and morality and integrity and, and, and help their company be healthy. There's nothing wrong with parents seeking out coaching to help their family unit be healthy, you know? love that company should hire therapists to come in and help their employees be better. They so think do. about that. Yeah. Think about happier, happier, you know, the happier the home, the better the employee. That's great. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've, we've been, we've been covering a difficult topic today, which is uh, the mother daughter relationship. Um, I, I say difficult. It's also wonderful. I mean, these are moments that, um, are priceless in lots of ways and are, are uh, so meaningful to who we become and who our kids become. Uh, there's so people shaping moments between parents and kids. And so this is part of that dynamic. I appreciate both of you being here uh, today to share your expertise with us. Um, if you could leave us with a thought, either something that you hear yourself saying a lot to parents or uh, reminding yourself a lot as a parent, um, what would that be, Giselle? What are, what are you, what are you thinking? Leave with a thought. Um, sh- show your children that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay for your wheels to come off, especially these days. And love yourself enough to allow that to be a teaching opportunity. That I'm look, I'm not perfect. And I'm going to take this chance to be able to go in and make a repair and just say, I'm sorry. I could, I'll be, I'll, I, I want to do better. I owe you an apology and I'm going, I'm going to work at doing better. Yeah. Not having to be perfect. No one hands us a manual on how to do this guys. We're all winging it to some level. I, I remind myself a lot that perfection is a myth anyway. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that adolescence, really is a safer time in life to make some mistakes. And so if, if kids are making mistakes in adolescence and parents are working to address that, that's a, this is a safer time to try to figure out life anyway. So we, yeah. we as parents, we got to expect that to some extent. Yeah. Yes. 
Carrie, what are you thinking Matt, you as far as as far as uh, thoughts to leave us with? Okay, so my three buzzwords: everything's temporary. Temporary. When families are in crisis, I'm like, this is temporary. Well, I can't do this much longer. You're not going to have to. It's temporary. We're going to come up with a plan and we're going to get through this. The next is forgiveness. That's the greatest gift we've all been given. Forgive and move forward. And the last is listen. Stop and listen to your children because we get so busy. Everything is temporary, even recessions. Yes. <laughs> yes. Your portfolio dropping is temporary. It's hard, but it's temporary. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, this was great. I, um, I'm always, I'm always excited when we have guests and all of our guests, you know, I'm always learning something and, and I love asking questions. Um, I love being curious and it was just great having the two of you on, on today. So I know that, um, Giselle, you work a lot with relationships. You work a lot with couples. Uh, I know a growing part of your practice is the mother daughter relationship. So if you are a parent and you want to become a, a better parent, a rock star, um, they can come see you. We'll put all your contact information in the show notes. And, and I know Carrie, you work a lot with um, educational testing. Yes, I do. Um, psychoeducational assessments and evaluations. Um, also working with young adults and teens, anxiety, depression. There you go. So these two uh, professionals are amazing women, just a, a wealth of, of knowledge and experience. So uh, we appreciate y'all. And, um, you know, Matt and I always like to say, when we talk about building us, it's all about investing in relationships. And there are no uh, more important relationships to invest in than the, the parent-child uh, relationship. So thank you all again. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is lovely. So much fun. Dr. Matt Morris maintains an active private practice for couples and families in the greater New Orleans area. To learn more about his work, visit drmattmorris.com. Eric Garcia can be found online at plan-wisely.com. His branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Royal Alliance Associates Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Insurance services offered through Garcia Financial Group, LLC. Entities listed are not affiliated.